And uh, before we pray right here, just a couple of announcements also I want to give. Uh, so the chairs, we got to bring up the chairs. So this week, so we have a matching 20, up to $25,000 gift. Someone from outside the church has uh, laid before us. We started this last week. So we, you, added six chairs. So that's 12 chairs now that go. So let's give the Lord a hand for that. We are over 200,000 <laughs> for our goal of 300,000. And that's just since spring. So uh, thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness and your giving. God truly is speaking to uh, his people and those even outside, he's speaking to his people. Uh, then I want to say a huge thank you to Steve Boyd and the men that came out to help with the trees yesterday. Uh, it, was, it was a lot of work and, and, and we had a bunch of guys come out. And uh, if you help with that, guys, uh, will you stand? If you, any of the guys need, come on, please stand. I think it's important. Some of that was backbreaking work. There's some that are not here. Yes, thank you. Uh, they ran skid loaders and augers, and we got half the trees in, I think. And so we'll have some more uh, uh, opportunities for you to serve. It's always a great time, and we connect. And then very just quickly on uh, the Marine Corps banquet, if you would like to, or your company, or just the family, or on behalf of someone, sponsor a table. A table's $150 uh, for six. You'll get six tickets. And you say, well, Pastor, I, I want to sponsor it, but I'm not able to attend. No problem. At the end of the program, and we're shooting for 150 this year. This is a great outreach that we do in the community. We meet at the VFW and uh, the local Marines. I'm part of the Marine Corps detachment here, the Runestone Detachment. And uh, it's a great time, uh, and it's a great opportunity. Uh, even some of the ladies have served, and others and men helped that night and set up. So uh, if you're interested in that, back in the foyer, there's a, just, just the birthday banquet little sheet there you could take a look at. And uh, if you just want to sponsor a table or you want to give towards this, uh, it blesses the Marines. They're involved in a lot in the community with funerals, uh, a lot of the veterans programs, Toys for Kids, Toys for Tots. If you heard of that, they give hundreds of packages away in food uh, uh, for, for kids during the holidays. So it's a great thing to get behind. Uh, that's just for you there in the foyer. Okay, let's pray. Father, I humble myself before you. And I recognize that in and of myself, I have nothing good to say. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, I ask that you speak through me. Give to your people what they need here today, I ask. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So <clears throat> we are just going to uh, continue here. Uh, we've talked about the three cups, the four cups here. And um, my first, uh, if you pull up uh, uh, the text in Exodus 6, 6 and 7 is our our foundation text. I just want to take a moment and read it. Uh, Say therefore, God is speaking to Moses and the children coming out of their bondage. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord and I will. Somebody shout, I will. <clears throat> when God says he'll do something, he is going to do it. Did you hear that? He is going to do it. And these are promises for our life today. So how can you say that? Well, there's a lot of correlations in the New Testament. But he said, I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And that's really that first cup we talked about. And that is the cup of salvation. The cup of salvation. Well, let me just continue to read here before I identify some of this. And he said, I will deliver you from slavery. I will redeem you with outstretched arms, acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people. And I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord God who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. How many with me say amen? 
Exodus 6, 7, then I will take you for my people and I will be your God. And so that's the fourth cup. And the four cups represent God's plan for our life. Once again, the first cup is salvation. Here's the thing. You need to drink from this cup. What do you mean, Pastor Mike? What, drink from what cup? The cup, that is the, the cup of salvation. Salvation, you have 40, 60, 80, 120 years. I don't know if anyone wants to live that long. Some people do, I don't. But you have this amount of time in life. I don't know what your allotted time is to come to a place in your life where you recognize Christ is real. Jesus came into this earth. He provided salvation. I must be born again. That is something you just don't mentally assent. You accept, you receive, you invite God into your life. You really, God has made you the king of your life on this earth. And how many of you know that you're not going to make it to heaven if you're the king? <laughs> you need King Jesus in your life. So, so just because Jesus came 2,000, see, see, people need to hear this. Just because he came 2,000 years ago, died on the cross, you think, okay, well, great. You go on with your life. Well, Jesus saved me. So, no, he didn't save you unless you receive him. Unless you repent and receive Christ, then you're born again. So if you've not, you, so you have this life. You say, well, I don't want that. Okay, well, then you have to suffer the consequences of that. God wants you everyone in heaven. He made hell for the devil and demons, not you. But if you don't want to go to heaven and you don't want Christ, well, there's only one place to go. <laughs> I don't want to go there. And you won't be drinking with your buddies having a party in there. Let me tell you that. That's for certain. Second cup is the cup of deliverance. And that really determines our quality of life where God says, I will deliver you. And that is a process. Sometimes it's instantaneous. I knew a lady out east, uh, not here. She smoked three packs of cigarettes a day. And she came to Christ. She was in a denominational church. She didn't really know the Lord. And, but she actually was saved. She was born again. She, was, she received Christ. It was evident in her life. In an instant, she was delivered. That's not always the case for people. How many, come on now, right? Some of you, you have to resist the flesh. You have to resist the enemy. You have to, come on, walk in freedom because you have authority now. Because if he says, I will deliver you, that means he gives you power. Well, I don't have power to resist this. Yes, you do. But here's the problem is we don't want to a lot of times. Come on. <laughs> I'll move off of that one, really. <laughs> that's, that's a fact. So, so and that's where strongholds come in. But that's why, here, here, I said this before, deliverance requires community within the body of Christ. What does that mean, Pastor My Community, coming to church, other people knowing you, talking to other people, people know your life. If you isolate yourself, you're a tool in the hands of the devil. Really? And that's what the Satan wants to do. He wants to cut you off, to isolate. Now, I know people are introverts. Actually, I'm actually an introvert, believe it or not. <laughs> I'm not the guy that's out, you know, hey, you know, but God placed me in this position, and he must have known what he was doing. I wouldn't have chosen me. <laughs> I would have had the life of the party guy be the pastor, not me. But, but God knows what he's doing. He uses all personalities, okay? And so, but, but when you isolate yourself, you cut yourself off, nobody knows you, and you're out, the, the devil will just tear you to pieces. But as these people know you, then they call you and say, hey, where you been, brother? Not in a judgmental, not a legalistic way, because they love you. Because they care about you. Hey, how's it going? It's not going good, man. And here's what I'm, I'm really suffering through this. Let's talk about it. It's amazing when you have someone to talk to, how that can bring healing in your life. Amen? That's why Satan wants to cut off, divide, and separate. 
Thank God for online, for those of people, and we love you, and we bless you, and many of those online have a home church, or maybe they're out or whatever and about, but, but uh, thank God for that, but we need to, uh, not, to not, not to be separated, we need to be connected in the community of God's people, the local church, amen? How many of you know that you will not be a great spiritual person if you hide in a cave? How many of you know the monks tried that? Come on, you think, I remember that too. If I just separate, if I just, you know, hide in a cave and I just isolate myself, then I'll be a real spiritual. Read, read a lot. You're, you're a big head, but a small heart. Come on. Amen. You know, you know a lot in your head, but where's your heart? Where's your heart? So God's not called us to be monks, spiritual monks. Amen. And, and so this second cup is the Egypt in me. Once again, it's a process. And how many of you know that, that we all have wounds? right? Wounds in our past. And, 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 and in, it's in the, watch this, it's in the context of the local church, brothers and sisters, is how we're healed. I will be the first one in front of all of you to say, I'm a better person today because of making a decision as a young man and going, I'm going to plug into the local church. I'm going to plug in wherever we move, my wife and I to, whatever state we're in. I was like, okay, is there a good church somewhere I can find? Now, when I was in New England, it was a challenge took me nine months to find a church, and we were searching. Uh, I won't get into all of that, but we found one, and we found one. It was a great church, but, but God will lead you if your heart is open, and, and, and you talk to anyone that's been in church for a while, and, and they're plugged in, and, and they'll look back and say, yeah, there's church things, and, and there's problems. Yeah, because it's people. The moment I show up, there's going to be problems. <laughs> Thank you, sister. That's right, <laughs> but I agree. The moment you show up, there's going to be problems. <laughs> Amen. But that's, that's, that's the beauty of the local church. God created that way. Amen? So now, this is, let me just, I know I'm recapping a lot quick here, but it's not that. You've got to be perfect. You can't do anything in the church unless you're perfect. Hello, none of us would be serving. All right? None of us would be serving. No, it's just walking in freedom, receiving, saying, you know what? This thing, that thing that has harassed me in my life, and I just, I just want to be free, and, and, and God can bring freedom. God can bring freedom. How many with me say amen? Because sometimes, even though the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that we're a new creation, new creation in Christ Jesus. I remember that verse, amen. I like how the Geneva Bible, it says it like this. Let him, let her be a new creation. There are a lot of things that are out there that are trying to hold back from you becoming that new creation. Now, we know it's a legal fact that he is, as a believer, we are a new creation. But just, just because you're a new creation, do you walk in total victory? No. So there's a walking out. There's a, there's a freedom. Uh, there's opposition. There's scars in our life. How many still with me? Amen. Uh, here's the facts. Galatians chapter 1, verses 4 and verse 13. Jesus, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us. Let me say that again. Jesus, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us. God's plan for your life is deliverance. Man, I've been an alcoholic my whole life. You know what? I'm just going to die an alcoholic. To deliver us. To deliver you. My dad, this, my mom, this, forget about your parents. Love them, but forget about them. You got to walk this life and stand before Christ one day. So do I. He said that with a smile. <laughs> How many still love me? Say amen. <laughs> so, so uh, it's, it, you know, not being perfect, but new creation, new creation. Verse 13, it says this, and he has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us, transferred us into the kingdom of light. That is Jesus. Amen. So, so there are some things that have been accomplished legally at the cross that God wants us to walk in. What's the problem, Pastor Mike, right here? The mind. The devil, harassing, 
making us believe things, acting certain ways. <clears throat> I won't elaborate, I don't have time, but 2 Corinthians 3.18. So all of us who've had that veil removed, right? Veil removed, comes from drinking in the first cup. The veil is removed, you're born again. That veil has been removed, can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And, and the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us, watch this, more and more like him. So there's an instantaneous change of your spirit man and spirit woman that is born again in an instance. But there is this growth process, more and more. It says it right in the Bible. You know, I've heard people who's like, well, I'm saved and I'm complete right now and I don't need anything else. Uh, hello, you need to get involved in a local church. He would probably been living in a cave, right? Moving on. <laughs> and so, so the third cup is this cup of redemption. We talked about uh, that a few weeks ago. It's about finding your God-given purpose. Uh, Exodus 6, 6 says, I will redeem you. Uh, Jesus drank from this cup on the cross. He saved us. He redeemed us. And we just said this very quickly. Redemption means that God enables us to do what we're supposed to be doing. Did you hear that? So the question also this morning with that third cup is, do you know what you're supposed to be doing? blank stare on some people. Just keep looking forward. Do you know what you're supposed to be doing? When I grew up, I knew nothing. All I wanted to do was survive. I wanted to get out of the house. I was in a very negative situation, very dysfunctional. And one thing I did want to do is I wanted to be in the military. I wanted to be in the Marines. Because I remember I had uncles and my dad and they were in a certain branch. I went, I want to go into the toughest branch. That's, that was my mindset. Of course, I did play with G.I. Joes way too long. <laughs> Come on now, I, I was 15, I, anyhow, I, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> but I wanted to get way too long. I mean, after I was in a foxhole that I dug for myself, I'm like, I'm like dang it, I'm 15 almost. <laughs> I gotta get out of this foxhole. <laughs> yeah, a little slow, I was a little slow. So, uh, but, uh, I, you know, here's the thing. I, I went into the Marines and, and those were some things I wanted to do. And here's the thing I, I wanted to, I really enjoyed the sport of bodybuilding, powerlifting, and, and uh, I wanted to be, go into that. I wanted to have my own set of gyms. That's what I have. Bartolomeo's health and fitness or whatever. And have a gym or two or a chain or whatever and, and then compete. And that would be my life. That was what I wanted to do. But God had a different plan. I said, God had a different plan. And I think about that. I think, how in the world did that happen? See, I can still enjoy weightlifting and, 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 and powerlifting and those things and exercise. That's all okay. But that third cup is that cup of redemption. And God has a purpose and a plan for our life. And he wants us to step into that. So very quickly, continue with the fourth cup. The fourth cup in the Seder meal, they call it the cup halal, the cup of praise. Somebody shall praise. And this praise, it actually has to do with hope. There's a lot of people that don't have hope today. This, you, I mean, I have had to really, my wife and I, meter back the news. Because you can only take one bad thing. Oh, come on now. In another bad, the FBI now is after, the school board now, the border. Come on. It's just one bad thing after another. And you know what happens? And then it closes and it goes up to the next showing and it's more bad news. There's no good news. I can only take so much. I need to have hope. Come on, somebody. And see, there's hope at harvest here. There's hope for a future. There's hope that God has for you and I. Can you say amen? And so he wants us to drink of that cup. And I'm going to spend a little time on that because I really feel this is the season we're at as, as a nation. I mean, globally, this isn't just in America, but globally, but as a nation, and so many have lost hope. They, they are full, they are terrorized with fear and full of fear and hope in their life. 
And so we're not going to allow any of that here. Amen. We are overcoming church. Amen. An overcoming church. So, so the root word halal means to celebrate, to boast, um, <clears throat> to, to raise. It's an exclamation, uh, an exclamation of victory after one has experienced some level of fulfillment. I think that's interesting. A couple of Bible commentators uh, say this. They say the Jewish people call the last cup of the Passover Seder halal because with it they celebrate the fact that they were formed into a new nation and after their rescue and deliverance from Egypt. So they rejoice in their new identity, interesting, as part of God's family, and they praise God. Somebody shall praise God. They praise God for giving them a fulfilled life, a purposeful life that makes a difference in the world. Well, so too for us. I have this quote, when we live out our dreams and our purpose, praise just naturally happens. Praise just naturally happens. Another Bible commentator says this, just a background. The fourth cup takes on the character of hope for a future. You know, so many people, they don't go on back to have a hope for the future. They're fearful. They don't know. You know, a lot of this stuff is cyclical. It happens. Uh, this pandemic went happened 100 years ago, but you go through it. You're going to be coming through. Okay. He said, it's been dragging on long. Yeah, it has. People are weary, but we're coming through to brighter days. God is not coming down back for a broke down, defeated, fearful, hiding in a cave or basement church, overcoming church. Churches that, uh, I don't want to say, in the pandemic, build buildings. <laughs> Overcoming church, really. It's the craziest thing. Why would you do that? I wouldn't have planned that. But God said so. He knew. Amen? So, <clears throat> hope for the future when all Israel is in the land. Her enemies are subdued and peace reigns. What, it goes on to say what the fourth cup adds to the picture of the first three is that redemption, watch this well, securing our, the freedom and safety of Israel does not immediately place her in the realm of eternal peace. Now watch this. In other words, she is redeemed from Egypt, given her freedom, but now she must wait, make her way through the wilderness and foreign lands and subdue enemies before she reaches the promised land. Sounds like a lot like the church and our journey and the bride. Right? You know, I remember all of the ites in the Bible, the Hittites, the Parasites, the Jebusites, all the ites. There are ites we have to overcome. There are things we must. This pandemic, ites will overcome. Amen? And see better days in our nation. You know, I've, I kind of wonder about, you know, ask myself just in recent, like, why am I here? Have you ever asked yourself that? Here isn't here now in this season and what we're about. It's like, have you ever kind of wondered, like, why I'm here? Or you just tell me, you just wake up and go, okay, just make the donuts another day. I asked that. Like, why, why now? And, who, you know, I, I asked that. And how many know that every single person here, if you had the opportunity to come up here or, you know, you could share your journey, your journey is important. Your journey is powerful. Your journey shows the hand of God in your life. You better believe that. And I know that, and I recognize that every single person here has an impactful story, a journey through the wilderness, and you're still here. Listen, where you thought you'd be taken out, you're still here. <laughs> I said, you're still here? You thought that, that, that addiction, whatever, would just blow it? No, you're still here. I'm not saying that, you know, you haven't had a difficult past and challenges, or maybe even now. But I think of my life when I ask myself that question. My life was born in, in Boston. Uh, as a, as a teenager, uh, they moved to the South Shore near Cape Cod. It was a town called Brockton, Brockton, Mass., and uh, grew up an Italian family with a, a, a 
<clears throat> there was eight of us kids. I was the second oldest. And, and really, you know, in a, in a great sense, there was a lot of dysfunction, a broken home. And we had some good times as kids and, 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 and with family and all that. But this is back up in the 1970s. I grew up with tremendous what I'll spend a lot of time, rejection. My father didn't believe I was his kid and all that. I had no direction. I had no hope. This is, I'm talking about 14, 15, 16, 17 years old. And, uh, and back in the 1970s and 80s, uh, I think the interest rates were probably between 14 to 18%. Yeah, I'm not owning a house. Even though the house may only be $20,000, I'm not owning a house. I mean, it was just totally like I would never have a house. Well, God's already blessed us with five houses. <laughs> hope, hope. People have lost hope. People have lost hope. And I remember, I actually, I fled to the Marines. It wasn't like I was like, hey, you know, I think maybe I'll try that. I fled to the Marines because I wanted to get out of my situation. And I just knew, okay, they're going to feed me. They're going to clothe me. And they're going to take care of my medical. I'm gone. <laughs> you know? And that's what they did. And, and, uh, but I learned a lot and grew a lot in there. And that was part of God's plan for my life. And then after that, I had uh, attended Bible school I knew in Texas. And I met the love of my life, my wife Rhonda. I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for her consistency, steadiness, her level-headedness, and her, how she, she knows the Lord and, and is solid. And I mean that. And uh, we need to thank God for my wife. I mean that. And, uh, and so we, we were in Texas for a while, and she'll, if you ask her, you know, to me it's, it's kind of a blur, but she's like, we moved 13 times. You know, I'm like, I, I, we moved a couple of times, you know, but she had to pack. <laughs> it's just, you know, so we're trying to find out, and then here's the thing. 42 years later, here I am. Forty? No, wait, wait a minute, 42 years. I'm like, why am I here? Why? And I, I don't, I think, you know, how in the world did I wind up here in Little Alexandria? You ever drive by in the interstate and you go, oh, it's that little town and that little name? That's home for somebody, right? So I drive by here and I, every time if we travel somewhere, wherever I come back, I said, here's our home. Pull in exit 103, you know. This is our home. And it's like, why? Because God's blessing it here. So, so if God's blessing you here, don't leave here. <laughs> I mean, so that was all the while. At times you want to run, I'm like, I'm staying, I'm staying. For some reason, this is all working out. Somehow, God must be behind this. How many with me say amen? Married, three kids, now grown, and they're gone now, but I'm praying they'll come back. Starting a church 20 years ago and with three living, excuse me, women in our living room back in 99, and I've traveled to over 10 nations to preach the gospel, and, and uh, uh, this church, I believe, uh, Julie will correct me, expended probably close to 300,000, if not more, in missions, giving to the nations, this church alone, okay? Amazing. Uh, uh, all these things that God has done and now building a two-plus million-dollar church building that's 20 years later during a pandemic? How? <laughs> well, how does this happen? Watch this. We just stayed on God's path for us. I wish I had a more spiritual, you know, this is what we did, this is the secret, no, we stayed in the word. We stayed worshiping. Come on now. We stayed in church. We stayed in praise. We drank of the fourth cup of God's purpose for our life. We just stayed with it. Did you want to quit? Every Monday. <laughs> Sometimes Sunday afternoon knowing how the message goes. Some dear sister came up to me and said, don't quit today. I'm like, after I was done preaching, I'm like, thank you. <laughs> I went on. <laughs> That's encouraged me. But 
Uh, how many hear what I'm trying to say? See, watch this. Redemption guarantees the final destination, but the journey is still necessary. The journey is still necessary. We all have a journey. And here's the thing. When you stop and take a moment, you may not see God in it, but God is in your journey. Did you hear that? He is in your journey. I don't see. I don't, it doesn't seem, but you're here today, at least here in this. You're hearing this word, and God is speaking to you, letting you know, I know you. I, someone needs to hear that this morning. God says, I see you and I know you. Amen. There's a number of people that needed to hear that. I'm just going to let that settle in. He sees you and he knows you. He has not forgotten about you. And he is working his purpose in and through you. And so uh, God's path, stay committed to God's purpose. And so we see that this uh, uh, fourth and final cup, it reminds us that our redemption is not realized yet totally. And although we enjoy the realities of the new covenant in, in the present and the future holds our full uh, and final redemption, Hebrews 13, Hebrews 13, 12 to 15, watch this verse. It says, so also Jesus suffered and died outside the city gates. Watch, this is an interesting verse. To make his people holy by means of his own blood. Watch this. So let us go out to him. Where is Jesus? He's there in the workplace with you. Come on. He's there in the car with you. All right? He, he's there. He's here now in what he established his church. But he's there with you. Go outside to the camp. Watch this. And bear what? Bear all the love, joy, peace, and happiness. Wait a minute. Bear the disgrace he bore. Uh-oh, yeah, that's what I thought. For this world is not our permanent home. I'm going to say something about it in a moment. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God. That's the fourth cup, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. Now, let me break that down very quickly here. What is he saying? What is he saying? This world is not our permanent home. Can I say this in a life-giving, I'm going to say this with a smile and just a joyful, as a loving pastor. Stop trying to live your life like this earthly life is all there is in its pleasures and pursuits. Amen, Pastor Mike. Said it with a smile. <laughs> you got to have heaven's perspective about what's going on. Or you will lose hope. If all you pursue is to squeeze everything of happiness out of this life, you will be sorely disappointed. Because there, there is happiness. Happiness is fleeting. I'm looking for joy. Joy is everlasting. You can be in a sad, difficult situation and you still have God's joy and hope for the future. But there are people, I've, I've talked to one person, he goes, all I want to be is happy. I said, that's it? I just want to be happy. <laughs> well, you're in for a rude awakening. <laughs> you know? There's more to life than just being happy. There's an eternal home. I said, there's an eternal home awaiting for us. And, and the Bible talks about that we should store up riches and treasures for that place. How do you do that now? We do that now. We're able to do that now. And so it goes on to say, notice, so we must go out to him outside the camp. That's, once again, the workplace, your vocation. That's the loss. That's missions. That's the kingdom of God moving forward because Jesus cares about the lost. I said he cares about the law. And so, you know, well, let me just say this too for, and I want to say this in a life-giving way. You know, some people, and, and I get it, if some things are toxic, you need to move on. But some people change jobs every time they get persecuted for their faith. They laughed at me. They, I'm on the job site and they're cursing all the time. Listen, I was in the Marine Corps, not the Boy Scouts, the Marines. I could not say, if I've had this, I'm leaving. I could have, and get a, you know, AWOL. 
and bad conduct discharge, but I, I was there. They would come, these Marines, on a Friday night drunk. Six, eight, ten of them and hang out, and this is where the squad bay was open, and you had bunk beds. I didn't have like a little quiet little room. You don't get that to your NCO. <laughs> and even then, they shove another guy in there with you. And, and so everything, the bathrooms, it was no closed stall. They're all open, sitting there, commodes. That's what I had to do. And so I had to learn to live with 90 guys that some were okay and most of them were crazy. <laughs> we want to kill. I mean, these are Marines. And they would come and it'd be two in the morning and they would come right to my rack, which is the bunk bed. They would come right to my rack and start shaking it. 2 a.m. I knew I could hear them coming. Hey, Bart, you know, why are they harassing me? There's 80 other guys here. Why are they harassing me? You know, tell us, you know, what's the matter? What? You know, all, all vomiting on me, basically waking me up, harassing me. You know, was it frustrating? You better believe it. I grew at that time. Amen. Come on, let's just not have an escape thing. We have a little bit of difficulty, a little bit of persecution. Lean in. God's, someone needs to hear this. Lean in. God wants to strengthen you. And what happened was it took three years, but at, towards the end of that, and, and, and especially the last year, I was just like, I didn't care how they act. I was a voice. I was a voice of strength. And you know what we started? A God squad. I actually have a t-shirt. And so I started gathering Marines. I had 12 Marines. They followed me. Go, well, here comes the God squad. If there was an atheist there, I was like, hey, hold on. These guys would surround him and start telling them about Jesus. See, God wants to turn where you feel you're over the battle. I don't know why I'm saying this, but I feel God is. He wants to turn your negative situation around where you're a force of righteousness. That you're not just feel under it, you're an overcomer. Everyone, man, woman, young person here, overcomer. Somebody shout overcomer. And so here's the thing. <laughs> if Jesus had to suffer, don't think you're not going to escape suffering. Okay. I want you to notice verse 15, though. Let us therefore offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. And actually, uh, one commentator says, a thank offering in the context of suffering, but we've received something from the Lord. And so God is saying that even though things are difficult, even though things are challenging, we can complain, we can whine like a baby, but you know what God is saying? Have a different perspective. Thank God in the midst of that. And say, Lord, I don't thank you for the bad things that are happening, the tragedy that's going on, but I'm going to thank you in the midst of this that you're going to turn things around. See what I'm saying? We're not thanking God for all the death, the sorrow, and the heartache, and the loss. And all. These, are, these are works of the devil, right? It's not God that's up there in heaven. It's like, well, I just want to kill three million people this year. Uh, no. This is the work of the devil. This was not part of the, in the beginning that God's plan was for people. Can I get an amen? <clears throat> God's ultimate plan for us all to be full and filled and fulfilled. He wants us living life to the fullest for his purposes. But there's an enemy out there, and he's the enemy of our souls. He's committed to robbing uh, us of joy, our meaning, and our purpose, pounding us, wearing us down, constant bad news. This doesn't seem worth it. And God is saying, no, we need, to, we need to be very clear in understanding who's behind a lot of this. John 10, 10, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give life in all its fullness. Right there is the purpose of God for your life. 
And so here's the thing, what I've witnessed, most people, they don't drink of this cup. They don't reach this fourth cup. Uh, they got, get caught up somewhere along the journey. They, they get stuck in one place and, and they just can't seem to, to break free. Well, I'm saved and kind of move on with my life and do my own thing. Or uh, it's always problems, 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 and I'll never be free. And God wants to, he wants us to move through and move on. And that's our whole life. How many see that say amen? It's our whole life. It's just overnight. And there are times and seasons when I feel like, well, I've freedom in this area, but I got to go back and get delivered in, in another area. Come on, right? And, and things just happen. And so here's the thing. I'm convinced that fear-based procrastination keeps people from living their life to the fullest. They live in fear. And, and you don't think people living in fear? We were just in the cities dropping our daughter off at the airport. And I'm telling you, people are terrorized. It's all around they're still, I'm like, okay, what's going on here? They are terrorized, afraid. Listen, we're all going to die someday. Okay? Now, we don't want to do things foolish, but you know what? We don't want to operate in fear. We want to operate in faith. Fear will cause you not to drink the cups God has for you. You will be paralyzed. You will be like the monk in the cave. You will not move forward in the things of God if you allow fear to dictate your life. The ultimate purpose of the cups of promise is for us to live the unlived life within us. How many with me say amen? But it's the sad thing is many people, they bury their talents. I remember the parable, I'm almost done, the parable of the talents. The Bible says a man's going on a journey and uh, he gave one five talents, two talents, the other one talent. And, and, and those that had the five and the two, they increased. But the one, he buried it. He didn't do anything with it. And God had some pretty serious, strong words for that one that did nothing. So I just began to look up. And a lot of times we think that talent is like, well, she can sing. She has a great talent. Or, you know what? What a great leader she is. She has it all. Man, she's just great. Or he has tremendous ability. He can do certain things. And they're gifted of God, but not me. Now, I want you, I want you just quickly uh, see this. A talent is a tool. It's an ability. Do you know you have an ability in here? Every single person that I'm speaking to has a tremendous ability. Every single one of you. Well, I don't have five. Forget about it. I only have one. I just, and that one that I have is so lame. Some of you think that. Watch this. This is what the Bible says. A talent is a tool. It's an ability that God gives each of us, okay, to carry out the cultural mandate, which is that. That's the gospel. That's his church, his purposes, our generation, and for us to make a living by it. Your talent, your ability is for you to glean off that. And some of you have used that and blessed your life, but it's not just for you. Come on now, your talent, your ability is to bless the kingdom. So you, as you bless God's kingdom and bless God's purposes, God is saying, increase. He don't want you to just store it up. The Bible says if you gain the whole world and you lose your soul, you've lost everything. Dying with a portfolio of 20 million and you have given nothing to the kingdom of God is egregious. Egregious. Uh, move off of that. <laughs> uh, but but it's, it's, it's tragedy. And what happens is they, people, they bury their talent and, and there's eternal regret. Don't be that guy. Don't be that girl. The gospel, his church, his purposes, and us to make a, a living at it. Now watch this about a talent very quickly. A biblical talent in the, in the Jewish context, and then there's Greek, uh, but for the most part, 
silver, one talent of silver weighed about 95 pounds. Now, back then, it was different. Gold was a double about that, so almost 180 or 200 pounds of talent. So it is equivalent, if you had 200 pounds of gold today, uh, it would be considered you individually, a biblical talent was enough money that a man or woman who owned it would be considered rich. One talent. One talent, yeah. It was equivalent to someone giving you a million dollars today. Now, let me ask, 200 plus people here or whatever, uh, uh, if I had $200 million, I'd say, you here, honey, here's a million. Spend it wisely. Uh, you, here's a million bucks. Kelsey, here's a million dollars. <laughs> Some of you, I, you just woke up, and, you, and how many of you would leave here happy? Woo, I've been to church. I'm telling you, this church would quadruple by next week. Yeah. <laughs> we have my million, you know, a million dollars, and you all left here. That's how powerful your one talent is. One talent. You think you could do something with that? Oh, I wish I just had a new car. You could buy it. Oh, I wish I had. You could have a million dollars today. Wow. Stand with me if you would, please. God has given each of you a talent, a gift, an ability, a grace, a calling, a natural ability to generate for the kingdom of God. And I, I thought this was interesting too about how this Bible commentator says in a number of them, that the meaning is not necessarily to double the talent. Now, even though we see that, that is implied in the scripture, but it's actually to improve the talent. I want you to get that. In other words, to improve the gift in the abilities one has. I didn't know I had the ability to pastor a church. I went to Bible school. I graduated with a theology degree. I furthered my education to get my associates, my bachelor's, master's, and my doctorate in theology. Big deal. There are brainiacs that are way smarter than me cannot pastor a church. Right? But a lot smarter than me, I know that for certain, you know. Uh, but, but here's the thing. I grew the one talent. I stepped out and stumbled. If you heard, I, I have an old cassette. <laughs> that's dating me. How many still have cassettes? It was hard for me to get us off cassettes to CDs. I'm just telling you. And I have a cassette of me speaking at the first full gospel church, uh, full gospel, uh, full gospel businessmen's fellowship. Remember that back in the 70s and 60s? And uh, Demas Shakari and all, some of you are like, who was he talking about? That was a big thing. I spoke at that in Okinawa, Japan. I was invited. And I look back and I listen to that and I went, shut that guy up. <laughs> I should play that. I mean, it's, I was all, well, you, you guys, you know, I was so New England. It was so, Rhonda's laugh is so bad. And I'm thinking, they're going to shoot me. If I ever spoke before people, they'll get stoned me, stolen food. I just stepped out. I just kept, because something inside said, this little one talent he has in me. And so I believe I had hope, and I drank of that cup. Every head bowed here this morning, please. Every single one of you has a talent. That's what this fourth cup is talking about. You know, Tommy Barnett was a, is an amazing pastor, Phoenix First Assembly in Phoenix, Arizona. And this guy has done more for God's kingdom than most people I know, and is amazing a pastor and what he's built right there. And and during and he was asked during an interview if you have any regrets, anything you wish you have done differently in your life. Without hesitation, 
Tommy says, yes, two things. And this is what he said. This is a man that's done so much for the kingdom of God. He said, I wish I would have dreamed bigger. Second thing is, I wish I would have risked more for God. We were at a tipping point, my wife and I, a few years ago, that this building is not going to happen. It's been 19 years, 18 and a half years. I'm not the guy. Uh, but I look back now and I walk to that building and I go, thank God I didn't quit. Thank God I didn't walk away. Thank God, because look what the Lord is doing. And so what does that mean? we got to risk more for God. In this season, this is not the season to hold back and to be tight and fearful. This is the season to risk for God. Because why? You don't do that in a crazy season, in the natural. <laughs> People think you're nuts. They're all trying to hide, stack up stuff, prepare for fear filled. I grew up under that for 50 years. Jesus come back any moment. You know what? Jesus can come back right now. I'm ready. Are you ready? He can come back right now. Do I believe he will? No. I believe we have a lot of time. And if you have that mindset of escapism, this is for somebody, he's going to come back any moment right now, any moment, you won't invest in eternal things. Why? Because you're throwing your money away. Why put money in a new building? Why Jesus come back any moment? You won't invest in eternal things. You're not occupying now before he comes. So what if you're pouring cement and Jesus comes, you're gone. So what? Leave it for those who are not right with God that get right in that moment let them finish the church that's not going to be us amen but let me tell you something we have time here on earth I know that smacks into a lot of theology right now and any moment any moment listen I grew up under that for 50 years Jesus coming back in 1978 nope didn't happen 1979 oops I'm sorry 1980 the planets are going to line up oops that didn't happen or, or that happened nothing happened and, oh Y2K we're all going to die some of you still have the generators come on <laughs> yes 2008 this is it the market's crashing I invested more money in it made money come on <clears throat> don't live your life in fear you procrastinate I don't know why someone needs to hear this this morning Shh. hallelujah what is the secret of happiness a lot of it is the choices we make it's the choices we make pull this up the happiest people on the planet are those who are making a difference in the lives of other people that's the happiest people. And that's who I'm surrounded with here. I really believe that. I'm surrounded with some of the happiest people on the planet right now. Why? Because we're doing God's work in this season. Do bad things still happen? Absolutely. But you know what? There's a joy. We're moving forward. The happiest people are making a difference doing the work of the Lord. Uh, Ecclesiastes 3.11. Just got a minute. Ecclesiastes 3.11. Watch this. He has made everything beautiful and appropriate in his time. He has also placed eternity, a sense of divine purpose in the human heart, a mysterious longing which nothing under the sun can satisfy except God. Well, I'm going to say that again. Nothing that you are pursuing under the sun, what's in this earth, what this world has to offer, will satisfy except God. Here's the thing. Some wonder, well, what does God do in the middle of this coronavirus, this pandemic? God is doing what he's always done. He's raising up people. He's building his kingdom. He's rescuing people. He's equipping his saints, his church, to move forward, to live their purpose in their life. The last slide is this. And here's the thing. This is the challenge. 
you can grasp God's divine purpose for your life here at Harvest. That's pretty bold, Pastor Mike. You better believe it. Why? Because I know there are wonderful people here. There are passionate people. There are giving people. There are faith-filled people. There are godly men. There are godly women here. They're raising their family. It's not that it's not challenging and difficult, but you have made up minds to serve the purposes of God. And if some of you are wondering about that, you can just join. You can join in and be a part of what God is doing here as Harvest. Because you can grasp the divine purpose that God has for your life and drink of the cups here at Harvest. Regardless of me, you know, I'm expendable, I know that. But God's purposes of here will prevail. Every head bowed, please. Thank you, Lord. Lord willing, we'll talk about more of this fourth cup next week. I just feel this feel stirred. And it actually has to do with uh, moving forward with the purpose God has for you. Drinking of that cup. It actually means transcendent living. It's what it's all about. Helping others. Here's the thing. Only 2% of people in America live at this level. And maybe I could title the message, The 2%. Maybe you could be part of The 2%. So make sure you come next week. Every head bowed here this morning. Maybe you're listening online. You're not right with God. I shared earlier about the first cup. It's the cup of salvation. It's simple. It's free. It's offered to you. It's an acknowledgement that, number one, God exists. And number two, that he did pay for your sin, that you are a sinner and you need to get right with God. If you've ever lied, if you've ever stolen anything, if you've ever thought a bad thought, you're guilty. The Bible says you're guilty. So that's heavy, Pastor Mike. That's right. We can't, in our natural abilities, rise up to God's standard. We need grace. We need forgiveness. We need God to come into our spirit, man or woman, and save us. That's you here this morning. And the Christians are praying. I want to challenge you this morning. The Bible says now is the time. Today is the day to drink of this cup. To drink of the cup of salvation. This starts you on the process that God has a journey for you. And he will direct your path. Whatever you head bowed, can we pray together? Say with me, say, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sin. Jesus, forgive me. Wash me. Cleanse me. Purify my mind and my heart. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. I acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior of my life. Today, I make a decision to drink that cup of salvation. In Jesus' name. sense God is moving on people's hearts. Thank you, Lord. You've made that decision. We're here to help you on your journey. When you make a decision, say, I've decided to follow Jesus. We're here at Harvest to help you in your journey, to get you connected, so you don't feel like that lone ranger, that monk hiding in the cave. God has a plan and purpose for your life to drink of all the cups that God has for you. Amen, church.